0: My guest today is Karen Hand. You might remember Karen from her long career in Chicago radio. She was news director, on-air personality, and headlined the top-rated Private Lives with Dr. Kelly Johnson for more than a decade, helping Chicagoans with self-improvement and relationship issues. Karen transitioned into hypnosis in 2005 as owner of the Chicago franchise Positive Changes and then Chicago Hypnosis Center. She's the author of three books, including Magic Words and Language Patterns, and Trance Dance, The Hypnotic Art of Leading and Following. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. All right, so welcome, Karen Hand. So guys nice to see you.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so thrilled to be here, Doug. I... I've followed you for a long time and I think you're brilliant. So to be oh. on your podcast is a real honor for me.
0: Wow, that is the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me. Thank you. Well, it's you know, it's funny because we were on a um some kind of thing this summer, I don't remember together and um I followed you. You, you, you was a there was a conference, an online video conference, hypnosis video conference and and I was on <laughs> after you and I thought, well that sucks cuz <laughs> <laughs> You, you are so good, and you have such a high bar, and you're so, you know, you're so thorough, and it's like, it's just me now, after after all that.
1: And I think maybe that's what I like the most, because you're you, you're approachable, it feels good to watch your oh, listen to you.
0: Well, you're very, very kind. Well, it's great to have you here, and um, as you probably are aware, this is called the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, so we are looking at this thing we do. I know you and I are both hypnotists and among other things as well. You said you had a, a career in radio. Is that true? Before
1: I had a 30 year career in radio and in my past, present life. Yes. That's what, what I did what, before I became a hypnotist.
0: How, how so? It was a disc jockey. Did you spin? Well, I
1: was, I I did spin records at, at one point, but that was a long time ago. I'm from Oklahoma originally and I fell in love with radio there and came to Chicago for radio for the biggest radio station in the world at the time, which was so cool. Way back in nineteen seventy eight. Uh yes, I'm dating myself. But but it's always a good date. So, <laughs> cheap
0: date. Sure,
1: why not? <laughs> but but along the way, I for most of the time I was the morning side chick. So there were two crazy wacky guys. I was the news director at the CBS radio station and their side chick. So that was most of it. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, it was a tremendous amount of fun. I also did a talk show with a psychiatrist um, called Private Lives. And you might guess it covered a lot of topics about relationships. Mm. So we did that for a decade on that particular show, Doug, I invited a couple of hypnotists that a friend of mine knew, uh, you know, to make fun of people, to have people on the radio bark like dogs and cluck like Mm. chickens and all Mm. that stuff. Right. They came on the show and they didn't do that. And they enlightened me that that's not what hypnosis is. And they Mm. talked about all the positive uses of hypnosis. And I thought, well, Wow, I'm going to try this out. I went out and tried it out and fell in love and instantly said, This is the next thing I'm going to do.
0: When you say you tried it out, how did you try it out?
1: I, I went out, I was hypnotized. I mean, I got to experience uh-huh. effective hypnosis and wow. just thought it was incredible. So I talked to this psychiatrist that I work with, one of my very best friends, uh, for a couple of years about going back to school and becoming a shrink or a psychologist or something. It just didn't grab me hypnosis did. Cool. And so that's what I studied. And I've been a hypnotist now since 2005.
0: Wow. So you're, you're relatively new to the game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for saying so. <laughs> there was a time in radio when I was the youngest person ever at the radio station. There was a time in hypnosis Where I was not ever the youngest person in the room, but I was the baby hypnotist in the group, and that was a long time ago too. (laughs) Apparently, so you've
0: been you've been at hypnosis now for well, let's say fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, and you have built quite a business, I would say. I mean, from what I can see with what is it, Karen Hand Hypnosis? Karen
1: Hand Hypnosis, it is now. Full disclosure: when I first got into the business. The friend of mine who suggested these hypnotists had taken some hypnosis training and had taken NLP training in Chicago. So that's how she knew these hypnosis people. And she and I always wanted to do something together. We were never both out of radio at the same time. Hmm. So, and radio is kind of a fluctuating business. People don't usually spend 30 years in the same, or I I was at, for 20 years at the same radio station. Anyway... About the time that I started wanting to do hypnosis, radio lost its thrill for me. That's a story that I can tell if you're interested in hearing it. But really what I'm, and we can come back and close that loop if you want to. But what I'm really saying here is that she and I decided to become hypnotists together and open a business because we had beautiful visions of going to lunch together every day and having all this fun. Well, we're both believers in Go Big or Go Home, so neither one of us knew anything anything at all about business. But we heard about this franchise business that would give you a business in a box. You may have heard of Positive Changes Hypnosis. I
0: know it well, yes, absolutely.
1: So our first encounter was with Positive Changes Hypnosis, and we were opened Positive Changes here, a big center. We employed four hypnotists, besides the two of us, and there were other centers in Chicago at the time we were the 5th center in Chicago. Wow. Franchise rules required so much money to be spent on advertising every month. And in our case in Chicago because it's really expensive, it was $20,000 a month. Wow. Now, in advertising when there are 5 stations, that's $5,000 a month we could afford that. And at that level of promotion, Back in 2005, we had a full-page ad in the Sunday paper every week. Uh, We did other kinds of advertising. But let me tell you something, Doug. That filled our business. We were busy from the time we started until the time we left. It was an interesting hypnosis encounter. My first encounter, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was really a script-based business. The way it was laid out was... There were 26 scripts, one to 26. And whenever the person started, whatever client started, they started with script one. Mm-hmm. And they moved to script two, then they moved to script three, etc. The way I do it now doesn't involve scripts at all. But what I do want to point out is for people who do use scripts, that too works. Mm. I write the scriptless hypnosis series because I think it's really important to work with a client that presents rather than having something preloaded. Right. right? Um, but we did have a tremendous success rate mm-hmm. in that business. Sure. We gave only one refund in the two and a half years that we were doing business. And wow. I'm not saying we had a hundred percent success, but what I am saying is we had a real good return rate on that. Wow. We just de- dealt with weight loss and smoking. Right. The other part of that caveat, the client, the one who wanted to release the weight, if they had less than 50 pounds to lose, they were signed up for a six month contract coming in once or twice a week for six months. If they had more than 50 pounds to lose, they had to sign a year contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So cleverly, those scripts actually for the client who came every week and did it for six months or a year those scripts covered everything that they could possibly, all of the different aspects of weight release, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why we had such a good rate, because it was put together really well. The downside to that was at some point, because the two radio gals had the Chicago Center, the other four centers were in the suburbs. One of the, one of the center owners said, the radio chicks are taking all of the business. We can't continue to prosper mm. they closed their center mm. they knocked it down to four centers aggregating their f- funds and advertising and then another one dropped out and then another one dropped out and at about the same time well several months maybe almost a year before that um i decided that i needed more training That the training I got was great to hypnotize somebody, but it wasn't great for making change, really making change or facilitating change. So I went to regression work and I went to all sorts of other training. I took all the training I could possibly do, took NLP training, took all of that. And when my skills outpaced the scripts and I could actually work with the clients, I didn't want to do the script work anymore. When you're in a franchise, say McDonald's, you don't want any fine pizza. Right, exactly. They all have to be the same. So the franchise didn't want the good news about it was as I got these new skills, I had people to practice on every day. Every time I got a new skill, I had a client I had two or three clients that day I could practice it on. That's how you get good at hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Practicing it, doing it, trying it out, seeing what doesn't work, seeing how you can pull something out of thin air and make it work. So I got really good with a lot of good people, right? And I wanted to do different things. The franchise caught on to me and came in and said, we're going to install a computer system that everybody has to report to, all the hours that you're spending with clients and what you're doing with them, et cetera, et cetera. And basically I said, I can't live that way. Mm -hmm. If I have more skills than, if I can make great pizza, (laughs) Fortunately, I live in Chicago, and we have, <laughs> we have a McDonald's in downtown Chicago that serves lasagna. It serves pizza. It's called the Rock and Roll McDonald's, and it's oh. the biggest McDonald's in the country, and it serves anything it wants to.
0: Wow, I've never heard of that before. But that's another side. Um, but that is really interesting. Did your partner stay on as well? Did she do what you did, basically?
1: We we changed. We we divorced the franchise, which was uh-huh. an expensive proposition. But we divorced the franchise and changed it to Chicago Hypnosis Center. Okay. Now we're getting to the darker part of the story. Okay. Uh, at, at Chicago Hypnosis Center, which was still still great and still fun, and my business partner, she opened the business, and I closed. So we never had lunch together. By the way uh that mm. fantasy that we had at the beginning <laughs> didn't pan out. But um but at some point along the way with that, my mother became very ill. She was in Oklahoma. I had to move her to Chicago and she was ill enough that I became the full time caregiver. I'm an only child, so and she was adamant about don't put me in a nursing center. Mm. What she said was don't put me in a nurse in a restroom. <laughs> <laughs> she was a little confused about it. But yeah. But, um, far
0: off, however, yeah, it became
1: unfair for my business partner to have to do so much of the work. So, we found an escape clause in our lease, we closed down Chicago Hypnosis Center, and I took all of those clients. She went in, she started doing corporate training. I took all of those clients we had on staff and started seeing them in my home because I could take Mm -hmm. care of my mother and still see people in my home. Um, event in 2011, my mother passed away. And I discovered that I could go out and start a new business or I could just enjoy my home. I have a great office in my home. I have a separate entrance to the outside. They never come okay. inside of my house. So I have a perfectly functioning office here. Why spend $4,200, which is what we were spending for our office. Why spend that when I can work here? Yeah. And now I did it the, way, the opposite way of what most people do. Most people start out as a private practitioner and expand. I had a big center and... Went smaller. Cool. And, and you're still I'm in here. Chicago? And I'm still in Chicago. Okay. So is that? it doesn't look
0: like an a apartment building, though. That's a, oh,
1: no, I have a house.
0: In Chicago itself?
1: In Chicago itself, yes. I huh. live just inside the city limits in oh. a place that if you drove through my neighborhood, you would never believe it was Chicago. It's spaced out. It has yards. It's a suburban living inside Chicago.
0: Neat. Yeah. Cool. And you call that care and hand hypnosis?
1: I call it Karen hand hypnosis. Yeah.
0: So if people were looking for that, they'd look for dot carolhand.com or.
1: Uh, Karen hand, karenhand.com is yes. That is my, um, website. I got lucky because I was a radio personality. Right. So people will still sometimes Google my name for the weirdest uh. reasons. <laughs> oh, I just found out you're a hypnotist now. Uh, I still have a lot of followers on Facebook and others from the radio days. So mm-hmm. It kind of is an edge. It's a leg up because yeah. I am already a personality in this town.
0: And you know how to do microphones and do recordings and do all that st- sort of thing. That's yeah, right. yeah. Very cool. Very people cool. People
1: ask me sometimes. I don't mean to interrupt. People ask me sometimes. Why? How could you go to radio from radio to hypnosis? Do you know it's the exact same business in a way? Hmm? We are talking one on one with each of our clients, right? Influencing or helping them move in a certain direction, offering them information. In radio, you're offering them information or telling jokes or whatever you're doing it, but you're doing it one-on-one. How do you mean? Imagine talking to one person because each person listens to the radio individually.
0: I see what you're saying. So when you are a radio host, you are imagining that you're speaking to a single individual.
1: Yeah. There's, there's usually a profile. I worked for an 18 to 24 year old radio station. That was our target demo. Right. So I was talking to a 22 year old female.
0: Gotcha. Did you, did you actually imagine a particular avatar for that? I'm just well,
1: thinking. I didn't. I, I didn't really have the, pit, the face mm-hmm. and all of that. My back in, when I was in radio, my visualization skills weren't as great as they are today. <laughs> but, but I did know, I, I did have that person, that 22 year old female. Uh, in mind as I I chose every story that that we told on that station.
0: That's really cool. And you told stories, too, which is fascinating, because that's, of course, hypnosis, too, isn't it?
1: Yes. And since I was the news person, I was telling news stories. But we were an independent station. We weren't an old news station. So mine was really storytelling from the perspective that I learned it.
0: Wow. Very, very interesting. So that's a great history. And I can certainly see why that would be why you would be so successful at hypnosis from a background like that. It just, like you said, seems like it is the same business. You had a lot of practice in it. You're good at it. Um, do you think that if a person because you know, speaking of avatars for the people we're talking to, I imagine that the people listening to this podcast are older than 22. Um, <laughs> okay. Imagine. <laughs> that <they Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> and so my, 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 sort of visualized uh, average person is listening to this is a person who has perhaps um, gotten um, bored with their other job and want to go into coaching. And so maybe they're in their late twenties, early thirties kind of thing. And, and they want to either go into coaching or they want to be better at coaching. So they're, they're people who are just starting out or want to improve their business and their, 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 their abilities within the business. So the reason it's called essential coaching skills is because we're looking at what skills and systems are essential for being good at being a coach. So I'm just wondering what you think that would be for a person who's just in that category.
1: An essential skill? Yeah. Hell yeah. I think the most essential skill for newbies and for all of us who've been doing it for all of our life, listening. Mm. We have, I, Doug, I say often, (laughs) I often, and I got to, I got to back up on this for a minute. I often say hypnosis and NLP are BS, Hmm? complete BS, BS,
0: which stands for
1: belief system.
0: Ah, let's see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And every client is going to come in and give you their BS, their belief system. You're going to have your own BS, right? And... My preference is to leave my belief system outside the door. I really have to point over that way because that's where the door is outside the door and just learn how my client is running their program. Mm -hmm. They're just running a program and I need to listen not to how I would run it. If, if I had the chance not to give advice to them about what I think they might do to make that change. My job the way i look at it Mm -hmm. and and, and remember i can only give you my bs right so this is just my bs if you like it use it if you don't like it that's okay laugh and have a good time my bs is that i have to really listen to my client they each come in with a program that's running in the background just like an app that you download on your phone Mm -hmm. and it's the cell phone analogy i'm using most often when they Ask questions about hypnosis. We are like a cell phone. We come with a perfectly working operating system. And then along the way, we need Words with Friends. So we download that app and we need a scheduling program and we download that app. And what do we do with the apps that didn't work for us? And so we downloaded something else. Do we just leave that old app there on the phone running in the background using up battery life or whatever? Or did we delete it or upgrade it? Mm Mm-hmm and so with each of my clients when they come in with a particular issue to change i do have clients who just want the mental massage and i do that periodically through the uh, with some long standing clients but that's guided imagery in a different situation what i do primarily is when the clients come in we get a good view of the program that they're running the only thing we know at that point is that the way they're doing it isn't working for them mm-hmm. for what they want and i believe the nlp presuppositions. When something's not working, try anything else. So that's what we're doing. But I want to know how they're running their program. A smoker, if you don't mind me giving an example, yeah, a please. smoker as an example, I want to know first doing the consultation call. I don't call it a consultation. I call it a screening because they screen into my services. Um, so during the screening, I want to know, do they want to go cold turkey or taper off? Often they'll say, you can taper off. I didn't know that was an option. I don't care how they do it. We're going to the same net effect. Mm -hmm. But that's what I want to know. Do you want to quit cold turkey or go uh, or taper off? We get that piece of information. And then if they want to taper off, it's going to take more sessions. We're going to, you know, titrate it down. If they want to go cold turkey, we might do one or two sessions, depending on how I feel when I'm listening to them. Um, and listen to them talk. And then when they actually physically come in for the first appointment, my question is, how do you run this habit? Tell me how you're doing it. And they often say, what do you mean? Well, tell me how, when do you have your first cigarette? Oh, first thing in the morning. Okay. I need more specifics than that. Do you go pee first and then have your cigarette? Is it right there on the bedside table? Do you light it before your feet touch the floor? And often they'll say, no, it's after my first cup of coffee or Mm. or while I'm having my first cup of coffee. Uh I don't care where it is. I don't care what the answer is any place along the way. I just want to know what it is. So now I've got a better view. I'm learning how they're doing it. I've got a better view of how they're running this habit. They can't call it an addiction, we break that um, limiting belief up really quickly, if they can sleep all night and wait until the coffee's made in the morning before they have one. A heroin mm-hmm. addict can wake up in the middle of the night and get a fix. So mm-hmm. slowly, we're I'm breaking down uh, limiting beliefs as we go. Then I want to know what, you know, tell me how when you smoke the rest of the time, how do you know when to smoke? What's your favorite cigarette? What's your least favorite cigarette? If they're the taper off variety and I ask them, what's your favorite cigarette? They'll say, oh, that first one in the morning. Great. You get to keep that one. We're not going to do anything with that one yet. Now, what's your least favorite cigarette? Oh, I don't know. Oh, probably that one at three o'clock in the afternoon. I could do away with it. Good. We're going to eliminate that one right away. So they're going to give me all the answers. I'm not in their head. I don't want in my head particularly, but they're going to give me, I'm going to listen strategically so that I understand how that program is running for them and then we're going to try almost anything else
0: nice what's what's really great about that and and I a bunch of things I want to ask you um so I'm going to try to remember them all (laughs) before before we got on the air here I, I had a point I wanted to make to Karen and then I got distracted and thought of something else and then I could never remember the first point that it was so um one thing I want to ask you about what you've just said, Karen, is that um, when you said that you tell the people that it's like a cell phone, mm-hmm. that's a relatively new metaphor, I would I would suspect. And um, NLP was kind of created on the metaphor that the brain is like a computer. Um, how many different s- sets of metaphors have you gone through in your explanation of hypnosis over the years?
1: Oh, dozens! You know the iceberg <laughs> metaphor, and the majority of it is down beneath. Um, the mind—the uh, mind is like the computer. Has always been kind of a running theme in the uh-huh. metaphors. I, I had a really ex, uh, back in the well, I would say ten years ago. If I had a really analytical client, I might explain it this way. If I had somebody else, I might explain it this way. But I had a, a four-tiered explanation. The unconscious mind was our operating system that's what pumped our our beat our heart, pumped our blood, breathed, digested food, mm-hmm. and we were born with a perfectly working operating system and then, along the way, we start learning new th- things. the subconscious mind that was the unconscious mind. the subconscious mind is where we hold all of our behaviors, all of our values. Our imagination, it's stored all there. Thank God for that, because we wake up every morning knowing our our address and our name and our favorite color. Mm. And then we have the critical faculty starting at about age seven when the conscious mind starts to develop. And that's Mm. just logic and reason, analytical thinking. I add the super conscious to it, which I think is wisdom and experiential learning and that kind of thing. So I had that metaphor for a long time. Worked fine. Mm. Then one day, I went into the Apple store to get a new phone. She gave me the new phone and and the the person at the Genius Bar was going to transfer all of my materials because so, I didn't know how to do that. And she took my phone to transfer everything. And she said, do you know you have nine pages of apps on this phone? And I said, no, I don't know. I don't know what most of them do. And she said, and are you aware that those apps stay running in the background on your phone? They use a battery life. They come in when they're not wanted. And I said, I didn't know that, but a new metaphor was just born. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh my God, that's exactly what we do. I think cell phones are like us rather than we are like cell phones, but that's exactly what we do. Isn't it along the way? I had a woman who uh, called me. She was afraid of spiders. She had this horrible fear of spiders. And for that one, because she said it it was as long as she can remember since she was a little girl, I did some regression work with her. I do really eyes open conversational regression. Um, And I said, so What do you think? And we went back. She went back to three years old. She was on the floor and uh, in in one room of her house. And there was this fuzzy thing walking across the room. She reached over to pet it. And behind her, her mother screamed, don't touch that. It'll kill you. Okay. Mother didn't get coded into that memory because she was behind her. But Mm. the spider certainly did. And then it generalized to all spiders. Mm. So we worked, we neutralized it from that point but i first had to find out how she was doing it how that how it was running how it was operating right listening to her telling me when she got became afraid how she knew to get afraid she sp- saw a spider first and then ran from it we were able to help Eradicate that fear. She texted me about a, a couple of weeks later and said, "I just had to let you know. This morning in the shower, there was a spider crawling down the tile. I saw it. I smashed it with my bare hand and then laughed as it went down the drain." <laughs> now I'm not in favor of murder. Yeah, I not <laughs> kill bugs, but, <laughs> but it was success for her. <laughs>
0: I've created a murderer. Most Success. of
1: my clients walk away uh, <laughs> felons.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's funny. Um, so another question about that, because you know, I was just struck by the idea that you know metaphors come and go. Um, many, many years ago, when phones were literally, you had called up an operator, and the operator would you know connect you to this, and they were saying... Right. People sitting at these big control booths and they unplug this cord and plug it over here. And, you know, I'm sure there's many people that don't have a clue what I'm even talking about. But, you know, hypnosis was, let's go to the operating system and uh, operator and unplug this connection to the desire for cigarettes or whatever. And it was like this real physical change. And then, of course... (laughs) Yeah,
1: and, and, until operators went away, went away.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. many, many things have changed over the years. And it's curious how we keep upgrading our metaphors to keep explaining, you know, how the brain works. And it, they're right every time. <laughs> they're, they're metaphors. <laughs> but if they work, they work.
1: I think it's easy to understand, too, because you see it from a dissociated, dissociated perspective. Yeah. Oh, I'm like this out here. That makes yes. sense to me.
0: And what's also beautiful about what you're saying is that you know the deep listening that you're just talking about, um, I've I believe is an essential coaching skill. And that when people are doing coaching well, it's always going to be that. No matter if you're doing hypnosis or coaching or little league coaching, whatever sort of thing is, you you look for the individual that's there, how they're doing the thing that they're doing and what do they need to do to make it better. Right. Right. And it's all individual based. It's not I've got a system to make people quit smoking. To go back to that metaphor um, or that example, it's not like I have a system and I'm going to plug you into my system. It's like we're going to find out how you're working because, like you said, the operating system is working fine. This computer's working fine. It's just getting a different result than you want.
1: That's right. Let me tell you, if I have a weight release client in my office and they, I say, you know, your system is working perfectly, they'll say it can't be. I'm overweight. No, your body is this way because you eat pizza and pasta and, or whatever, you know, because you do this behavior as opposed to anything else. But it's interesting to me, Doug, that most weight release clients don't really relate their eating to the problem. Talk more about that. Okay, so it seems to me that the one running theme with weight release clients is they think about food all the time. They think, is there going to be enough food? Is it going to be food I like? Did I eat too much food? What am I going to take for lunch tomorrow? They're thinking about food all the time until they sit down to eat and then they're shoveling it in just as fast as they can to get it over with and go on about their business thinking about food. (laughs) But when it's in front of them, they're not really thinking about it. They're not tasting it. They're not enjoying it. So slowing down the eating, doing that is one great way, I think, to to help. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't ever give diet advice, but that's one good thing that really works. And then I also like to do. Um, a, I, I learned this from Paul McKenna. I don't have any idea. He's a British hypnotist. I don't have yeah. any idea who um, who invented this. But he had a great little technique. Can I can I demo it on you real quick?
0: On me? Yes, yeah, sure. Go ahead.
1: It's really short. So, okay. Is there is there anything um, edible that you would like to get rid of? Sure. Okay. I don't need to know what it is, but there's something that you would like to get rid of because yeah. this can actually help you, I mean, help help you not want this at all. All okay. right. You just imagine that edible item. Okay. And imagine yourself eating it. I okay. Mean, really take a bite. Mm. Notice the texture. Notice the taste. Really yeah. take a bite of it. Okay. And enjoy it. You like that food. That's yeah, good. Okay, good. Now I'm going to ask you to take another bite. And this time you're taking it in front of a full length mirror. Okay. So, take a bite of it. You're watching yourself eating it and enjoying it in front of that full length mirror. Okay. Now, take another bite and enjoy it in front of that full length mirror. This time you're naked. Okay. Watch yourself eating that food naked. Got it. Okay. How does that make you feel? Fabulous. (laughs) You're not a weight release client. (laughs) You are not a weight release. <laughs> like. But you did <laughs> just link that food to your complete enjoyment, did you not? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that that does is link the problem to the result.
0: Gotcha. It makes most total people, sense.
1: Most people look in the mirror and, and they, they're they hating on themselves. Right, oh, right. You don't look right. You're too fat. You have no discipline, all of that. And That's I don't want them to that. link it to themselves. I want mm-hmm. them to link it to the food. It's the right, food. Right. Doing it.
0: No, totally, totally true. So let me ask you a question. You've been using the word weight release. Tell us about that, that choice of words.
1: I prefer not to use weight loss because if I lose my car keys, I can't rest until I find them.
0: Right. And
1: I think many people are, have the same, I think words are really important. And I think when we lose weight, sometimes that causes yo-yo dieting. You go back and find it again. So I don't want them to lose the weight. I want them to <coughs> lose permanently
0: speaking speaking of words um, i know that you have written a book called magic words and language patterns yes uh, it's a great book a great resource could you tell us a little bit more about that is that related to the wor- what we were just Talking about the weight release and supposed of weight loss, is that, that part of That,
1: that particular uh, reframe is not mm-hmm. in Magic Words and Language Patterns, but you just gave me an idea for a great new book, Reframe. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm going to write it down. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> so uh, that would, I would call more of a, as we're going along, hearing them say it, I want to, I listen very carefully to the words they're using too. And, you know, we know about, try implies failure. We know a lot of things about, about words and how to word suggestions or influence people in a different way. So I'm just looking for those kinds of things along the way to reframe it. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And could you tell us a little bit more, how how important is it to know things like magic words and language patterns? If one wants to be a successful coach, is that a okay. uh, critical so, essential type of, I spirit?
1: think it's very, I think it's very essential because There are lots of trainers. I do not agree with this philosophy, but there are lots of trainers who say, don't even listen to your clients. That's their conscious mind. Their conscious mind doesn't know what's going on. Go right to their subconscious mind. I have a different view of that. Mm. It was their conscious mind who called me and hired me. Mm -hmm. It's the conscious mind who's going to pay me. Mm. I want the conscious mind to be on board with what we're doing. So. The reason I do listen to what they say very carefully and I let them tell their story until I have to stop them to do a reframe and then we go on. I And I do interrupt a lot. So even though I say listening is important, when I hear something that we can change immediately or quickly, I'll break in and we'll do that. Magic words and language patterns is about using words to create suggestion. So that's really what it is. Language patterns. So... Once you hear all of your client's stuff, they will tell you everything to do. They will tell you everything that's they're, that they're limited with. They'll tell you everything. If you listen, then you can go to these. This becomes kind of like a script. You can go to language patterns, plug in their stuff, and have an entire way to work with your client. Mm-hmm. Uh, facilitate formal hypnosis if you want to do that. So words like release and that kind of thing are not in this book, but words like now... It directs the subconscious mind to a period of time before, after it directs the subconscious mind to a period of time, uh, easily, naturally softens everything that comes after it. So you'll make this change easily, naturally, and automatically because you want to. Because is my favorite magic word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My very favorite word in the entire vocabulary. Because is that word that, <laughs> everyone... what? I,
0: was, I thought you were going to tell me why. You were going to say because.
1: <laughs> Sorry, because, <laughs> because everything that comes after it is believed. The conscious mind is logic and reason. And if you give it a reason for something, it will take it. It's a great little story out of Harvard. Back in the 70s, I think there was a sociologist who was doing a study. She had sent some of her interns <clears throat> excuse me, out to the copy machine. Now, realize this was a long time ago when we didn't have computers. It was just a copy machine. And so sometimes a lot of Harvard students needed to use that copy machine.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So at a particularly busy time, she sent her interns out with a three-prong research effort. First, they were supposed to go up to the front of the line someplace and say, can I cut? Uh, Their results showed 64% of those very nice students at Harvard would let them cut. They went back a second time and said, "Uh, can I cut because I'm, I'm running late? 95% of the people let him in. Wow. The third look was, can I cut because I need to make a copy? So did the person they were cutting in on and everybody else in the line. But 94% of the people let him cut. Right. Because they gave him a reason. It went right past conscious awareness. Sure, go ahead. And then it might have come back on him and they said, wait a minute, I got to make a copy too. What the heck? But, but the because goes past that analytical, uh, critical faculty and goes right in. And the conscious mind hears the reason, so it's not blocking anything, and the subconscious mind can take it easily. Gotcha. That's in magic words and language patterns, how to use okay. those kind of words, and then the languaging that goes along with it. Language is just what we say in everyday desultory conversation. You're desultory talking. oh that's that's another one of my favorite words Desultory. Ordinary, <laughs> i don't regular. know that one <laughs> well i used it twice so it was redundant it's a good thing you didn't know it because you'd have called me out on redundancy uh ordinary and desultory are the same <laughs> I mean the same thing
0: oh it does ordinary and dulcetory desultory desultory how do you spell it
1: d-e-s-u-l-t-u-l-t-o-r-y i believe could okay. be a-r-y
0: I will look for that. Thank you. I love learning new words. Um, yes, that because thing I read about in Robert Cialdini's book on influence. That's a similar, similar thing. And, and what he pointed out with the third level of that, um, of that study was that the word because had such a strong effect that it didn't really matter how important the reason was after the word because. It just that's right. It it, it just made it happen.
1: That's right. That's yeah. right. It just makes it happen. And uh, these words are, are just so interesting. They change. They change as we move along. We have to change with the times. Right. The metaphors worked once, they, we have to change and upgrade the metaphor. We have to upgrade what we're using, how yeah. we're talking to our clients all along the way. You know, in the olden days, we didn't want to say that we were influencers. That sounded like a con, kind of, mm. doesn't it? An influence, I'm going to influence you on something. But today, right. thank you, TikTok and everything else, influencers are all the thing. Yeah. Right. So now that's what we do, is it not? We influence, guide, coach, if you will, our clients into the change they want to make.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that word up. So do you consider yourself a
1: coach? Oh, I do coach along the way. Yes, I do. Sometimes more than others, but yes.
0: What do you mean by along the way?
1: Well, because I am stopping them and reframing them and and asking them to come up with other things, asking them to uh, look at a different thing. One weight release client, um, she did not have anything that I could find as we were talking in her past to help her with her eating issues. Um, But I asked her if she knew anybody who ate in a way and they stayed... Ate in a way that she noticed and they stayed slim and trim and fine. She said, absolutely, a lady she had lunch with twice a week. And I said, well, how does she eat? And she said, it's the weirdest thing. She eats her favorite thing first. I've even seen her eat her dessert first. And I said, that's a very interesting thing. And what does she do at the end? She said, and then she'll push away food. What she doesn't like or what she, when she gets full, she can stop eating. <clears throat> and then I said, great. How do you do it? And she said, oh, no, I don't do it that way. I save the best for last. So I want to have the best bite <laughs> for last. And so I eat the things that I don't really like first. And, then I, and I said, you know what? That's very interesting. For one week, I wonder, I wonder, there's a language pattern, That's not challenging. It's not giving advice. I'm just wondering. I wonder if you would try it her way, just for a week, just to see what happens. Nice. She came back a week later and said, that's phenomenal. I can push (laughs) food away now. Yeah. (laughs) But we had to find, but she had the resource. I didn't.
0: Yeah. I
1: didn't have any right to tell her, hey, why don't you do it this way? Try it this way for a week. Because she didn't have any a view in mind of how to do that when she told that to me she knew exactly what to do she told me exactly what to help her do
0: nice that's beautiful so that's great so that's great it's a nice distinction between you know being a hypnotherapist and being a coach that there are distinctly different things but they're interwoven and connected with each other but nevertheless different
1: right i don't i don't call myself a hypnotherapist in illinois It wouldn't be allowed because I'm not in a licensed uh, profession. But wherever I am, I would call myself a hypnotist because I've heard so many clients say, I've been in therapy for 10 years. Mm. This really works. If I say hypnotherapist, they're going to think it's the same thing as Uh, therapy.
0: Gotcha.
1: I think what we do, hypnotists and hypnotic coaches, I think it's very much the same thing. We do influence for change, but not for our benefit, certainly for the client's benefit. and the only way we're going to really get their benefit and how to get them to that benefit is by listening to them <laughs> and then chunking it down to small enough pieces that they can do it.
0: Do you have a particular structure of things that you are listening for when you say you're listening so carefully? I'm
1: listening for for I'm listening for in NLP talk, the traditional visual, auditory kinesthetic olfactory, gustatory. Um, I think most people use all of their senses very well, but if somebody Mm -hmm. speaks in a lot of visual terms, I will talk about visualizing a lot of things. Um, I listen for their motivation strategy. I want to know if they're going toward pain or moving away from, toward a goal or -hmm. moving away from pain. I want to know if they need to hear something wants to make a decision or several times. If they need to hear something several times or they do a lot of research, I'm likely to give them a, a recording to listen to every day because they need to hear it several times before it takes effect. Okay. I'm listening for those kinds of things. Uh, are, are they an independent worker? Are they a team player? Are they, um, do they have an internal locus of control or an external locus of control? Doug, how do you know you've done a good job at something? Right. How do you know? You're Can asking you know, me really? Yeah, yeah. How do you know you've done a good job at something?
0: Well, actually, it's it's a, that meta program for me is a little bit of an internal plus with an external check. So I, I feel like you I did it I'm well. And,
1: but you know exactly what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Clients will say, oh, I just know. I feel it deeply. Right. Internal locus of control. Right. Or they'll say, well, I, I get the feedback from my boss or I get, when they pay or whatever. That's an external locus of control. So... So if, again, with a weight release client, if they have an external locus of control and they process information auditorily, I am likely to give them suggestions about, imagine how it's going to be when you walk into the office and everyone's saying, Oh my God, you look great. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? So it helps me put their strategies together and lowers resistance to any of the influence or coaching I'm giving them. I really don't make suggestions and I really don't give advice, but I feed back to my client all of the information that they've given me about how their program is working.
0: Gotcha. That's beautiful. So really you're listening for these meta programs of the people, how they are convinced or how they are moving towards or moving from away. And then you give them the ideas, suggestions about the new patterning that they could do within the way they want to hear it, the way they want to see it.
1: In my office, we do it consciously first. We do open-eyed hypnosis first. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I don't think anybody has to have their their eyes closed or have a progressive muscle relaxation to get into Mm -hmm. a trance. Mm -hmm. I think we're always in a trance at all times. You and I are in the podcast trance right now. (laughs) So, (laughs) right? So they're always in a trance, so I don't have to do much. I just have to ask a question. And every time I ask a question, that's fractionation. Mm-hmm. With. I ask a question, they have to go inside their mind to get the answer. then mm. come back out and tell me. So it's figuratively, right? But they're doing that back and forth the whole time that we're talking. They're already in a trance and we're already looking at the thing we want to look at. Right. So all of these reframes or little things that we do along the way, that makes the change. I always, end a se- I can't say always, that might not be true, but I mostly end a session with formal I'm doing this in air quotes formal hypnosis
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they hired me for hypnosis and they often have an idea of what hypnosis might mm-hmm. be like that's true and so I want them to have the hypnotic experience so that they walk out and go back to either the psychiatrist or psychologist who referred them to me or they go tell their husband or wife wow that hypnosis really worked but I don't right. want them to go back into the psychologist's office and say well we just sat there and talked for a while right I want them to go back and say that hypnosis really works so they can say, I knew that was the right referral to give you. Yeah. Win-win for everybody.
0: No, it's true. No, it's really, really true. And it's funny because I I used to do traveling roadshows for hypnosis, weight loss smoking type things around the country. And most of the sessions was talking. I was talking, telling stories and doing stuff with the crowd, but of course they didn't come for that. They came for some hypnosis. So at some point we had a, do that for the groups. So, like, all right, everyone sit down or lie down on the floor and let's do some hypnosis. And then you, you know, do this thing that they'd come for and they'd go away going, ah, yes, yeah. I got the, <laughs> I yeah. got the pill. It's like, it's like a, when I was in, working at the hospital, they said, uh, you know, a placebo effect only works if they know they got the pill.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. You, you can't <laughs> give a
0: placebo while they're sleeping and, you know, slip it into their IV unit That's or exactly. something.
1: <laughs> the change is made ahead of time and then we uh, give the conscious mind something to deal with, something to yeah. hang out. Right?
0: So Karen, um, what would you say if a person is doing good work as a coach, but they're not necessarily getting the rewards that they would like to have. They're not quite building the business that they'd like to have. What's what what's essential skill for somebody who wants to be successful in the business of being a coach?
1: It's unfortunate, but when we go into this business, we all, I, many of us tend to think, oh, I'm going to be armed with some magic and I can help people. Yeah. You can only help people if they know you exist. Mm. They're not just going to magically happen upon you. That can happen, but it doesn't usually. So I think it's really important to have a good website that's easily searchable. I still use my name, Karen Hand, because of its power in this. Oh, Karen Hand Hypnosis, because if they Google hypnosis, I'm going to be one of the first hypnosis near me. A good website that's got some good tag, oh, whatever it is. I don't do the website. I hire somebody to do that. So I don't mm-hmm. know what all of that search engine stuff is, but get good Google input Use videos. Do a video. Put some video out there of yourself so people can see you. And then if they don't like you, it's none of your business. You never have to find out about it. Put yourself out there, and when they like you, they come super selected with what you do. Videos, a good website, and Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and now TikTok. Really? Because a lot of people, I get a lot of clients from YouTube. I'm not on TikTok, but but i know a lot of people who are on tiktok and they are getting clients that way hmm. skewing way younger but they're putting short things on tiktok and it's working um but i think facebook and instagram are good and on facebook if you really want to get your name out there and and really start being respected that kind of thing go into some hypnosis forums and talk there you could go into if you know about if you're really interested in fibromyalgia as an mm-hmm. example, you might join a fibromyalgia Facebook group, and occasionally you can't go in there and sell, but occasionally you might answer a question that talks about how hypnosis might help with that. Those are covert ways of getting your name out there. I don't think I don't think radio works for any of us because single practitioners can't afford the kind of radio uh, ad buy that you need to get to get your message heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It takes a lot, you know, McDonald's still advertises twice an hour on radio stations. And they're ubiquitous. So if they have to still do that in order to keep their name up, and, up front, guess how much you'd have to buy on radio to do it? It'd be really expensive. Mm-hmm. Nobody's reading the newspaper anymore. So it's all about the Internet. Although I do have a local newspaper uh, that covers about, oh seventeen, 17, I think, uh, air, uh, neighborhoods and, and areas around me. I'll put articles in there I don't advertise but I will write articles and have them appear in the paper mm. that gets my name out there as the knowledgeable hypnotist
0: that's cool so yeah that's really neat you know the, the thing we used to do back in the day is you know we'd give talks and we'd yeah. uh, put articles in papers and stuff there were a lot more, was a lot more of that you know when I traveled the country doing those hypnosis shows that I was describing before um, those were organized by John Morgan who also was a uh, former radio DJ. So, <laughs> so he had a thing where he would uh, make deals with radio stations, usually in January and uh, September when radio's right. not getting a lot of commercial time. And he'd say, well, listen, I'm a radio DJ. I, I know how to do this stuff. I'll make you some commercials. You play the commercials basically for free and we'll fill this seminar and uh, and we'll split it with you so you get half and I don't know if it was half and half exactly but it was it was a proportion and that worked out really well for those times of year when the radio stations weren't getting much
1: and let me say that works way better in a small to medium sized marketplace than it does in New York so it depends on the city that you're in right if you're in a big city I know that there are some um, affiliated some systems that have affiliates and I know that some affiliates affiliated systems are told to go to college towns and smaller markets because you, it's easier to get, it's easier to make deals like that. Yeah. It's hard to make deals like that with a radio station in Chicago,
0: yeah, but it's, for still sure, for
1: sure. it's still a really good tip.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that it would still work. It worked for a long time. They don't, they're not doing it anymore. I'm not sure if that's COVID related or just whatever related, but it's not happening. I can tell you that. Well, um, it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did indeed. So that's really great. So I think it's really important that those things that you're mentioning Facebook, TikTok, etc., et cetera, are all free. You know, that you can, a person can create content, you know, be an influencer, if you will, as you said right. before and put it out there and just, Put it out there and let people take free stuff, free good stuff, and recognize that you are the expert in it, that you created that content so that when they really need it more than what just is available on the internet for free, they'll call you.
1: May I add one more little tip? Yeah. Super important. If you're doing a cold call on somebody, you're doing a talk in front of somebody, or you're doing something for TikTok, you're doing a video or something like that, Mm -hmm. writing a letter also. Offer value first. Offer value first. Give them something of value and then they'll pay attention to you. So if you're going to do a video, I would recommend that you not start your video with, Hi, I'm Karen Hand, or using your own name. Hi, I'm Karen Hand and I'm a board-certified hypnotist and I can help you. You haven't, right. you haven't drawn any attention. Right. Um, <laughs> you could, on the other hand, start out with, If you're speaking to a a Weight Watchers group, have you been struggling with keeping to the program? I am a trained hypnotist, or I can help you do that. But you have to build that rapport first. You have to catch them first. It's an old radio trick. Mm. I didn't open a newscast with a chronological order. I opened every news story with something that they would care about. Yeah. And then once they're listening, once you grab their ear, radio was the best education I could ever get for this kind of thing. Because everything that we said was strategically targeted, and Mm -hmm. we understand that we kept people listening for just a few minutes, right? They they had other things to do. They had kids in the back seat they were trying to quiet down. People (laughs) had other things to do. And so it was important to catch their attention. Once you catch their attention, you can give them details about something listen to advertising. That's the way it works.
0: So Karen, yeah, I know that you have another book called Trance Dance. And when I was um, looking at that book, I was surprised that it didn't talk about dancing.
1: <laughs> oh, but it does. There's a whole chapter that's the analogy of dancing with the stars.
0: Oh. Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, I, I, the, I use the analogy of dancing with the stars. When the pros have an amateur come up, the first thing the pro has to do is find out what they're capable of. Mm. Are they capable of doing a cartwheel? If they're not, don't put it in the routine. So the dancing pro has to first find out what they're capable of, has to find out how, much, how hard they work, whether or not they're really serious about this, all of that stuff, and then they can advance their skills and they can step them up. And if they're not a great dancer, but they have a great personality, they're going to work on building that, showing that off. So that's what I think we do. I think those Dancing with the Stars pros are just like us. They're yeah. coaching dance moves, we're coaching behaviors.
0: Cool. So that's great. So that's a nice metaphor. That's great. So, is, so this is a book about how you basically do that sort of thing in a hypnotherapeutic hypnotist uh, kind of scenario.
1: Yeah. In yeah. Trans I really I, use, um, I love this. And for NLPers, the outcome specification exercise is just a brilliant way to ask questions and right. move your mind from a problem state to a solution state. And I have that in mind. What do you want? How will you know you have it? Uh, What's stopping you from having it already? What do you need to have? Do you need anything else? How are you going to go about doing it? And by the time they've answered all those questions, they've already designed their own plan.
0: Cool. So do you pretty much feel like all of your plans are individualized completely to the person or is it? uh... Every
1: every single one is individualized. That's great. Yeah, they all, it, I go through the same. I love the way Bob Burns, the hypnotist in Scotland, puts it. He says he's very scripted. Everything he does is scripted. He's never held a script. What he means is we have a tendency to memorize things that we're going to say or things that we're going to do or the order we're going to do them in. It feels like having a conversation and building rapport when my client first comes in, and by the end of it, we're dancing together in a way that they have designed using all of the skills that they already have to go make the change that they want, that they want to make because they want to make it.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today, Karen. It's incredibly valuable. And I always learn stuff whenever I have a conversation with you. It's so great.
1: I, I appreciate you, Doug, a lot. Thank you very much for having me on the show.
0: So KarenHand.com, is that where most people Karen will find
1: you? Karen at KarenHand.com if you want to send me an email. But KarenHand.com will give you all the info.
0: Karen at KarenHand.com. Very nice. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, too.
0: Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.